This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All righty, hour number three of our radio program. That's right, it is the Zach Gelb Show, coast-to-coast on CBS Sports Radio. Glover Quinn, former Lions defensive back, is going to stop by 20 minutes from now. His line's off to the NFC title game. Will they be going up against the San Francisco 49ers in Santa Clara on Sunday. So we'll talk to Glover Quinn 20 minutes from now. But with pretty much the NFL season being over, coming to a close, you got three more games uh, when it comes to the AFC title game, the NFC title game, and then uh, the big Super Bowl in Las Vegas two weeks from now. I just want to take a look back at this NFL season. And there's been a lot of positive, but there's also been a lot of disappointment. And I want to go through my list of the top five most disappointing storylines from this past NFL season. We'll start at number five with Stephon Diggs falling from elite status. The Buffalo Bills were a team that were doubted going into this season, but we were going to find out a lot about the Buffalo Bills. And when they get backed into a corner from where a year ago, they were everyone's pick to go win the Super Bowl and get to the Super Bowl. And then when they came up big in a big-time way short, what were they going to be the following season? And the start of the season was rocky, right? It, it got going in the offseason with Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and Sean McDermott having some problem. And the season started with the 6-6 six and six record. Then they had their bye week after that crushing defeat to Philadelphia where they lose the game in overtime. And out of that, they were undefeated the rest of the regular season. They got the two seed in the AFC. They won their first playoff game up against the Steelers. And you finally were getting the Kansas City Chiefs at home. But you look back at Stephon Diggs, and you could say, Zach, he had a fine season, right? Over 100 catches, over 1,100 yards, had eight touchdowns. But the Bills needed an elite weapon on their offensive side of the ball outside of the quarterback in Josh Allen by design. That is supposed to be Stephon Diggs. And going into this year, everyone would have viewed Stephon Diggs as a top five to seven receiver in the NFL. And Stephon Diggs this season, even though his numbers still suggest he's a really good player, his numbers were really empty in the last two weeks or the last two months of the season. You know, I know everyone gets on uh, Josh Allen for the second and nine play. He's not wrong. You know, you're not wrong for doing that. I've crushed him for that. And also on third down as well. But to open up that drive, he threw a bomb. And Stephon Diggs, who gets paid elite wide receiver money, he's got to catch that football. And he didn't. But you look 
a deeper dive into the numbers and you take a deeper dive into the numbers, I'm going to suggest it's a good season, but you can't have your number one pass catching option not register a 100-yard game since week six. You can't have your number one pass catching option not have a touchdown since week 12. So when I look at Stephon Diggs, it's extremely just disappointing how he went from being one of the best wide receivers in the NFL to now starting to show his decline, and he's nine years into a career. He just wrapped up year nine, and he's 30 years old. So I don't think there's going to be many better days for Stephon Diggs in the NFL. So that's five. In a number four, when we discussed maybe who could be the third best team in the AFC and the NFC before the season started, there were two teams. I don't want to say they were dark horse teams, but they were expected to be playoff teams and potentially be threats come postseason time. Those two teams, both of them ended up missing the playoffs. Where going into the season, you definitely had Kansas City and Cincinnati, one and two in the AFC. And then the third team was up for grabs. Some said it could be Jacksonville. At the time, we thought easy division. You had the second year, Doug Peterson, Trevor Lawrence being together, coming off what was a year one where not only did they make the playoffs, not only did they win the division, but they also won a playoff game coming back from down 27 points to take care of business up against the Chargers and then having a solid effort on the road in Kansas City where they bat out in the divisional round. And in the NFC, everyone looked at one and two going into this year, Eagles and 49ers. And the third team, there were a mixture of people, like people were talking about the Cowboys, people were talking about the the Lions, but the Seahawks were another team that were very alive as well. Especially when the year before, they made the playoffs when no one thought they were going to make the playoffs. Year one without Russ. Geno Smith was a good player for them a year ago. And they have a talented roster. But for both those teams... To not make the playoffs, it's extremely disappointing. It's one thing to not get the job done in the postseason. It's one thing to not meet those expectations of being one of the better teams in the AFC and the NFC. But when you have seven teams that make the playoffs in the AFC and the NFC, to just flat outright miss it, it's a joke. And Jacksonville, I'm really concerned about. Because as much as I love Doug, and as much as we've been told Trevor Lawrence is supposed to be that guy... When they went up against big opponents this year, and they were all in their building, Kansas City in their building, uh, Baltimore in their building, San Francisco in their building, it's one thing to lose a game. It's another thing to not show up. And those three games, they did not show up. And their offense, which is the strength of their team, and I know they hired Ryan Nielsen the other day, which is a good hire because he did a good job with this uh, Falcons defense last year in Atlanta. But when your offense is supposed to be your strength and it ended up being a weakness, I don't know how you fix that. And for Seattle, I think we all look at Geno Smith as he was fine. He's been better than what you could expect the last two years. But with the talent that they have, you got to make the playoffs when you have a Lockett, when you have a Metcalf, when you have Jackson Smith and Jigba. And I think even though Geno got rewarded like he was going to be their quarterback, no one actually believes that Geno Smith is the long-term answer in Seattle. In a number three, the Chargers. The Chargers before the year, it was very easy to say with Brandon Staley as their head coach, they won't be successful. 
And I went into last year, I said it right after the playoff choke when they had a 27-point lead and couldn't slam the door shut up against Jacksonville. The Spanos family will bring Brandon Staley back, but they shouldn't. Because once you blow a game like that, when there were already big-time questions about you as a head coach, there was no recovering from that. But to see the Chargers not only fail this year, but to bottom out, that's the point that makes them so discouraging and makes them so disappointing. Because probably going into this year, even if you were a critic of the Chargers, the worst you could probably predict them was 9-8, and eight, right? Like, I, I think that's fair to say. Even if you weren't buying in on the Chargers and you were going to say that they were going to miss the playoffs with the talent that they have, all right, 9-8. and eight. They were 5-12. and 12. And that decision to bring back Brandon Staley, and I know they suffered a lot of injuries, but the Chargers suffer a lot of injuries each and every year. But to bring back Brandon Staley, you got to see how unpopular Brandon Staley really was in that locker room. Because the first year, it was okay. The season ended the way that it did, and it was his fault with the timeout, and then it right, led the Raiders to be a little bit more aggressive with Bisaccia. Uh, You kick the field goal, then you end up making the playoffs where they would have tied. Both teams would have made the postseason. But there was a difference between being aggressive with Staley and just being stupid. And then last year, you had a guy that was winning games, right? They were making the playoffs, but that was just a bar to make the playoffs. But then even early on this year, and it got off to a bad start, there were back-to-back games where they were going up against the Raiders and the Vikings. I forget what the order was, but it was Raiders-Vikings or Vikings-Raiders, where he went for it deep in his own end. Fourth and one inside his 30-35-yard line. Went for it. Didn't get it. And then was fortunate enough that Aiden O'Connell and Kirk Cousins threw him a gift interception um, both those times to get two victories. So when you're doing those things and you're not showing that you learned anything from your previous blunders, and he actually had the benefit where the guys in the locker room didn't publicly rip him the first two years, but you knew there were questions. Like whenever you talk to Chargers players, and we talked to a lot of them, they were saying things about Brandon Staley, but you know that it was just out of saying the right things. You never actually believed what they were saying. And to see this year it all unravel, looking back, it shouldn't be surprising, but it is surprising that a team with that much talent could only get five wins in the NFL. Because I was someone that was pessimistic about Staley, but I still thought the Chargers could be a playoff team, and I still thought they could win nine, ten games because of the talent that they had. But when you have a coach that's a disaster, it could derail your entire season, and that's what happened with the Los Angeles Chargers. And at number two, it's the injuries, and we had a lot of injuries to big-time quarterbacks this year, but the two in particular, Joe Burrow and Aaron Rodgers. The most coverage story in last offseason was the future of Aaron Rodgers. Heck, the last three offseasons, it was Aaron Rodgers this, Aaron Rodgers that, Aaron Rodgers this, Aaron Rodgers that. To see Aaron Rodgers tear his Achilles four plays into a season was just devastating. And not only that, it's like the writers to curb your enthusiasm couldn't even write that script. Because Jet fans have been tortured. Jet fans have been beaten down. They've been tarred. They've been feathered. Like, the Jets are a joke. They're a circus. Like, when your franchise highlights are winning Super Bowl three, and then making, just making, not winning, making two AFC championship games, it shows you how little you've had to cheer for as a Jet fan. But to finally have optimism, 
for finally people talking about you in a positive way, to see that season just crash and burn four plays in, it was severely disappointing. Because whether you like Rodgers or not, no one with the brain wanted to see him get hurt. And he's a top 10, top 15 quarterback of all time. And I wanted to see how this was going to play out. I wanted to see how successful that this could be. But once you get back into the well of Simeon and Boyle and, and Wilson, you knew that team was screwed regardless of what you thought of the roster. And then the other was the Joe Burrow injury. Because the Bengals, it started in the offseason with the injury. They started off slow. Then he found a way to turn it around. And then right when that team was starting to hum, right when you thought that team was back to being a Super Bowl contender, he has the uh, the injury. And then he's done for the season. And I give credit to Jake Browning. He did good. You know, he's solid for them. The Bengals still were 9-8. and eight, Basically without having Joe Burrow for, for, for the entire season healthy. And Browning showed you that the Bengals have the backup quarterback. And maybe he latches on somewhere and catches on somewhere. And, and is the starting quarterback somewhere. And gets a chance to start. But seeing Burrow and Rodgers, two of the better quarterbacks in the league, get hurt and have their seasons come to a close was just very disappointing because of what those teams could have potentially done this year. And then finally, the most disappointing story from this past year in the NFL. It's the Eagles. The Eagles were 10-1. and The Eagles, who are probably going to bring back Nick Sirianni, but they got rid of their offensive coordinator and Brian Johnson. They... Got rid of Sean Desai in season from being the D.C. Then they promoted Patricia, uh, but they officially fired Sean Desai a few days ago. The Eagles are a team that I don't know if there's a more intriguing team entering the NFL next season. Like the Jets will be intriguing because they have Rodgers, they get Rodgers back. But you look at the Eagles, and I don't think anyone's going to pick the Jets to win the Super Bowl next year. But you look at a team like the Eagles, they almost won a Super Bowl a year ago. You had Jalen Hurts play at an MVP level. You had Jalen Hurts outperform Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl, even though you lost. And coming off a Super Bowl loss, you usually see teams the next year take a while to recover. They were 10-1. and And I know there were flaws. I know there were signs that they weren't as strong as they were a year ago, even when they were 10-1. and But no one could have predicted 1-6 down the stretch. No one could have predicted that. And it got ugly. It got heated. It got nasty in that locker room. And now you're bringing back Nick Sirianni, who in three years has made the playoffs three times, exceeded all expectations, and got that team to, to a Super Bowl. But this year was a disaster for Nick Sirianni. And rarely would I advocate firing a head coach that has been in the league three years, that has made the playoffs three straight times, and got the team to a Super Bowl. But I don't see how you bring Sirianni back. They are. They're going to speak tomorrow, Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni. They'll make it official. So barring something going crazy in the next few hours, Sirianni's going to be back. And I'm just wondering, what is the greatness of Nick Sirianni? Because he had opportunities to take over the play calling. He didn't do that. Now you're bringing in a new offensive coordinator. You're bringing in a new defensive coordinator. And you had a head coach who lost his locker room. And you got a team that's getting older. Now you still have Jalen Hurts. And they got to get Jalen Hurts moving back in the right direction. But that Eagles choke job is one of the worst choke jobs I've ever seen in the history of the NFL. To go from 10-1, and one, looking like you're going to go back to a Super Bowl, to getting one win down the stretch and losing in the wild card round, that's as bad as it gets in a year where the NFL has been wide open. So the five most disappointing storylines for me this year from the NFL, Stephon Diggs falling from elite, the Jaguars and Seahawks not being ready, and not only not being ready, they both missed the playoffs, the Chargers just being a disaster, 
Burrow and Rodgers getting hurt, and then one of the worst choke jobs you've ever seen in the uh, Philadelphia Eagles from 10-1 to then 1-6 down the stretch. All right, this is Zach Gelb show on CBS Sports Radio. You could always give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Zach Gelb, Z-A-C-H-G-E-L-B. Give us a call, 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. The Detroit Lions are in the NFC title game up against the San Francisco 49ers. Former Detroit Lion Glover Quinn will join us on the other side. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. All righty, rocking and rolling. It is the Zach Gelb Show, coast to coast on CBS Sports Radio. We are counting down the days until conference championship Sunday. We know that in the AFC, it will be the Baltimore Ravens welcoming in the Kansas City Chiefs. And then the NFC in Santa Clara, it will be the 49ers hosting the Detroit Lions. Let's go out to the guest line right now. Welcome in a man that played for the Texans and the Lions, led the NFL in interceptions in 2014. Now as a podcast, Believe in Lions on the Believe Podcast Network. And that's Glover Quinn, kind enough to join us on the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. Glover, appreciate the time. Thanks so much for doing this. How you been? Man, thank you guys for having me. I've been great. So Lions in the NFC title game. Like going into this year, I was wondering, would the Lions meet the hype? Because, man, they had such a strong finish at the end of last season. And everyone was picking them to be that team. I was just wondering if they were ready. Why has this year worked out so well for them when you look to where they are right now? Because they were ready last year. It just happened too late. And that's a part of the process. They had to learn. They had to soak in that moment. They had to see that we could do this. You know, going to Green Bay last year in that last game of the season and getting that win in the game that for Green Bay it meant going to the playoffs. For the Lions, it just meant knocking Green Bay out the playoffs. But I also think it meant mentally getting over that hurdle of the team that's been the monsters in the conference. You know what I'm saying? We've had plenty of opportunities, at least my two my years there, we had two opportunities to win the division title, and it was a winner-take-all game against Green Bay, and we lost both times. And so being able to go to Green Bay and get that win and then just kind of ride that momentum all the way through the offseason, from free agency to the draft. I mean, look at the draft that they had, Jameer Gibbs, Sam Laporta, Jack Campbell, like, man, tons and tons, Brian Branch, just guys that's 
came in ready to play hungry, contributed all year. Big, big members of the team. And so I think they had to go through that last year and see like they, they could do it. I think the hype coming off the hard knocks and going into the season was probably a little too much and they, they didn't handle it well. And then once they got rolling this year, I think they understood what had to be done. They were ready for the hype. It was more about them instead of the hype. They've kept the focus really honed in on to who they are and what they're trying to do. And, you know, they were able to win some games and get on a good roll. And the way it played out is perfect. They started out fast, got some wins. You go through that little lull of the season. They lost some, didn't play great. And then they came back out on the other end. And now they're playing as good, if not better than anybody else. And like you said, Glover Quinn, like you were on some good Lions teams, but they always have that cloud hanging over them for what the franchise has been for the majority of their time in the NFL. And like, let's just be real about it. It takes a special person and it takes a different person to change that kind of conversation. And when you first heard Dan Campbell speak, you were like, all right, clearly a football guy, clearly a maniac, but was he going to be able to coach? And man, even after some adversity he had in the first two years, this guy believed in what he did, and he's built this team through the trenches along with Brad Holmes, and they're now just hitting everything right with, with what they're doing with this organization. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's came in, and, and you know, the, everything that Dan Campbell embodies, you know, you look at his career, just a hard-working guy. Um, you look at his coaching career, going up through the ranks as a hard-working guy. You look at Detroit, the city. It's a hard-working blue-collar city. And sometimes you can have coaches that really don't fit the city. They don't fit the vibe, the makeup of the team, the organization. And I think that's what you saw with a Matt Patricia. And it just didn't, it just didn't mesh. And I think Dan Campbell, his vibe, his energy, his appreciation, all those things just vibe, his grit mentality. It just vibes well with the city. So the city can get behind it and feel like they're a part of it. They've got the right guys in that embodies the same mentality. Just a lot of guys that's hungry and want to play the game of football and play it the right way. Um, and on top of that, they're really talented guys. And, you know, he's got that team playing at a level and believing that they can win every single game. I think they really take on that mentality. And when they step on the field, they feel like we can win this game. There's not a, oh, the Lions are going to beat themselves or, oh, no, we're going out to win this game, and that's a great feeling to have. Talking to Glover Quinn right now on the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. And like you look back at Matt Patricia, the my way or the highway approach doesn't really work anymore in the NFL. But then on the other side, when you're a player's coach, you can't be a doormat. That's what I think makes Dan Campbell such a good blend is that he's more of a player's coach, but he's clearly – not a doormat like, let's say, someone like Nick Sirianni is uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles. It's, it is crazy what he's been able to do and to just see the way that they're playing right now. It's impossible to not like this Lions team and not root for this team unless, like, right, you're a fan of the 49ers this weekend. You know, uh, it's, it's actually funny that you say that about the players, Coach, because I tell people this all the time. It's hard for people to be a players, Coach, unless they really have the knowledge and have been around or they played. Otherwise, 
you don't know how to be a player's coach. You think you know, and they turn into doormats because they feel like they just got to let players do this or do that or whatever so they could be seen as this cool guy. Oh, he's a player coach. Oh, Nick loves us. Uh, uh, and I, I don't even call Nick name because I don't even know Nick Sirianni like that. Mm-hmm. But just saying, oh, he loves us, man. He lets us get away with this or that. Or Yeah, that's fun on Mondays and Tuesdays, but it sucks on Sundays when you're getting your teeth kicked in. That's not necessarily what a player's coach is. Dan Campbell played the game. He understands. So he understands what players need, what they want, how to connect with players. And that's how you be, be a player's coach, connecting with your team, demanding a respect, demanding a level of work. But it's a connection that you have to where you understand what they're going through. You understand what it feels like because you've been there. Very few people can do that. And, and so yeah, you kind of look at some hires that are being made now, like Antonio Pierce and, and Gerard right. Mayo. Like I see a lot of what the Lions have with Dan Campbell that now teams are trying to emulate with both those guys ended up getting the head coaching jobs with the Raiders and the Patriots. Yeah. And you look at D'Amico Ryan's. Yeah, same it's a great thing, point. Right. Guys, guys that's played the game, smart players, hardworking players. Right. A lot of times those guys know how to communicate, you know, D'Amico, Mayo, Antonio, all those guys were linebackers. So they communicated with the whole defense. They had to. They were the play callers, right? And so they're probably smart guys, tough, physical, like, and that's the mentality. But they're also young enough to they, they, they can connect with this younger generation of players. It's a new league. It's not the same league as it was even when I first got in in 2009. It's a different league. So having these younger coaches who can understand these younger kids, how they're being raised, how they're being brought up, and then being able to connect with them at, at the professional level, I think these younger guys, they're going to connect and vibe way better with a younger coach than they are with a, with an older coach. I mean, you look at what D'Amico did. He took almost the same Houston team, except for C.J. Stroud and, you know, Will Anderson. And I get it. Those are key pieces. But Lovey Smith and David Culley almost had the same, and they couldn't get it done because they. I feel like they couldn't connect. I live here in Houston. They they, they couldn't connect. Um, and D'Amico comes in, and it's just a totally different energy. You know what I'm saying? You look at what Antonio Pierce did in, in, in Las Vegas. It's just a totally different energy. Like, those guys can connect. They're out there smoking cigars in the locker room. <laughs> like, they're having a great time. Like, you know, I get it. It is what it is. And so I think you're saying a lot of that. And Dan Campbell is one of those guys. He played the game. He understands it. You know, he's not too old. He's he's young enough to be able to do up-downs with his team, to run with his team. He, I mean, he's a in-shape guy. He's probably in there lifting weights with his team. Like, all those things, players love that because you're not making them do anything that you can't do, and you're not making them do anything that you probably haven't done. It's very difficult for certain coaches to sit over there and make you do stuff, and you're looking at them like, you can't even do this, like, you're asking me to do something that you can't even do. You don't even have a clue of how to do it. So um, I think that's one thing that makes Dan Campbell really special. Since you, you brought up the Texans, I know you started your career with them. Um, you being right a, a secondary player, defensive back safety, uh, Glover Quinn here with us on the Zach Gelb Show. Just what stood out to you the most with what a rookie quarterback in C.J. Stroud did in year one in Houston having to go up and defend so many quarterbacks for so many years? 
I mean, I, I think he did a phenomenal job. You know what I'm saying? I think, you know, when you look at, I think his interception rate for the season was, I think he only had like five or six interceptions yeah, on the season. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's incredible for a rookie. But I think a lot of that goes with the coaching as well, not putting him in situations where he has to throw the ball 30, 40 times and and throwing interceptions. So being able to run the ball, lean on your defense, you know, have an offense that he can easily learn and pick up and play to his strengths. I think that's been great, but I think that shows his demeanor, his pause, his presence, his understanding, his want to learn, his his ability to learn. And those young guys, you know, Will Anderson on the defensive side and C.J. Stroud, you know, when you get drafted like that, everybody in the locker room knows that those guys are the future. Those guys are the pillars. So any veterans that you have in the linebacker room, on the D-line room, it's not their job to to whatever not help Will Anderson because you know he's the future. You're better off helping him than trying to go against him because they're going to get you out of here before they get Will out of here. He's the future, right? Yeah. Like anybody on the offense, you guys should be trying to help CJ because he those are your future guys, offensively and defensively. They made that statement. We got a new coach, and these are our guys, period. And so I think everybody on the team has bought into that and they and they, you know, rallied behind those guys and rallied behind CJ for sure. Um, and it was just an incredible year to go from three wins last year to make it into the division around this year with that type of momentum with a rookie head coach, a rookie quarterback. I think the sky's the limit for those guys. I think the biggest thing is, is obviously tough going from year one to year two. Um, there's film out there on you guys now from a coaching staff, from a player staff. I mean, it's player's point of view and, you know, game plans would be different next year, you know, being able to, you know, prepare more for CJ. So the expectations will be high again next year. They'll probably be higher because you did so well this year. You came off a offensive rookie of the year more than likely. I think yeah. he's, he won some offensive rookie of the year today. I saw. Um, so the expectations are going to be higher. Um, so they got to just prepare for that and and understand that it's going to be a journey. You look at Jalen Hurts in Philly. You know, last year had a phenomenal year. This year wasn't as great, right? But the expectations are higher. The 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 league is better. They they they're ready for you, and so being able to you know stay great through all of that um, will be tough. But I'm sure they can handle it. And, and D'Amico is a guy is a guy that can help them. But I tell people all the time that's why it's hard to downplay somebody's greatness when they've done it for so long because you don't understand. You know, people sit here and I know I'm jumping from different things, but it's just all relative because they talk about LeBron James and oh, he just got stats because he's been in the league for 21 years. Do you know how hard it is yeah. to be in the league at, at an this elite level, level for 21 years? Yeah, it's nuts. Like, it, it, it's cra- That's why we, we, we brought about <laughs> we brought this up earlier. Like some sometimes today you, you have people saying, oh, Mahomes is the greatest quarterback of all time. I'm like, hold on. Did we just forget Tom Brady played in the NFL for 20-something right. seasons and won seven Super Bowls and beat Mahomes in yeah. an AFC title game and then also a Super Bowl? Like, as much as I love Mahomes and how ridiculous he is, Glover Quinn, it's like, let's make sure that he's going to be able to do this for 15, 20 years and, and unfortunately not get hurt, you know, th- along those nature, too, because the durability part is massive. Right, and that, and that's a part that people don't take into consideration when they want to say the greatest of all time. 
we never said Tom Brady was the most talented of all times. We said he's the greatest, right? So when you look at Patrick Mahomes, is he more talented than Tom? Sure. But to be able to do it, if Patrick Mahomes can stay at this level for 15 more years, then, yeah, he'll probably be greater than Tom because he'll probably have more Super Bowls. He's already been to six AFC championship games in a row. He's been to three to two Super Bowls already. I doubt he makes it back there this year. I think the the Ravens will beat him. But he's been in six. So if you continually go into the AFC championship games every single year in Super Bowls, you're going to win one or two here or there. And over the course of 20 years, you get six, five or six or seven, right? But that's a lot to do. That's a that's hard to do. And until he do that, all we can say is yes, he's more talented. But we can't put him as the as the goat at this point. He just hasn't done it long enough. Last thing I'll ask you, Glover Quinn. Uh, Brock Purdy has turned into a polarizing topic. Let's say you were getting ready to go up against him this weekend. What would your honest assessment be of him when we be in your defensive back room? You know, I, I I honestly would feel like, you know, let's put the game in his hands. You know, I think Brock Purdy is a good quarterback. I, I mean, I feel like he he does a lot of things well, but I also feel like, you know, he has a lot of guys around him. And that's not a knock on him. That's not his fault. You know what I'm saying? That's a luxury for him not being a super high-paid quarterback. So you can have a Christian McCaffrey at running back. You can have a George Kittle at tight end. You can have a Debo Samuel if he's able to go. You can have all those weapons, and you got to do a great job in managing that, and that's difficult in itself. So I don't sit here and feel like Brock Purdy is a guy that can't play. Obviously, they're in the NFC Championship game, and he's a big part of that. But at the end of the day, I feel like Christian McCaffrey can really make this team go. And so if we can't stop Christian McCaffrey, that makes Brock Purdy almost impossible to defend because they got both things going, the run game and the pass game. And so I think they definitely got to make sure they stop Christian McCaffrey in the run game and force Brock Purdy to throw the ball. And if he can throw it well enough, consistently enough, when you're expecting him to throw it from a one-dimensional standpoint – then you tip your cap and say, hey, man, he he earned his keep for today. But if you go out there and and not stop and slow down Christian McCaffrey, Brock Purdy is going to have a career day because the whole the whole field is going to be open because they got too many guys that can beat you and everything is going to be clicking. So I think they got to definitely make sure that they can stop the run game, put, put it in Brock Purdy's hand. You know, if Debo Samuel can go, that adds another element if he can't go. You know, I know they went on a three-game losing streak earlier in the season, and I think Debo Samuel was absent for yep. all three of those games. So that's that's a big key right now. He's Glover Quinn. Make sure you check out his podcast, Believe in Lions, on the Believe Podcast Network. Glover, always great to have you on. Thanks for doing this. Oh, man, thank you, guys. There you, there you go. Glover Quinn joining us on the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. Really good insight on a lot of things in the NFL with the success of the Texans and also the Detroit Lions. We will take a timeout. What does uh, Shane Waldron going to the Bears to be their OC mean for Justin Fields in the Windy City? We'll discuss on the other side. Update time first. Here is Pat Boyle. 
After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in to navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. All right, it is the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. So the Bears did hire Shane Waldron, the former Seahawks offensive coordinator, to be their offensive coordinator. Uh, in the aftermath of Pete Carroll getting fired, that's just the way that I'm going to say it. I'm sure they'll say, oh, well, we moved him uh, into a, an advisor position, all that nonsense. He got fired as the head coach of the Seahawks. Pete has even said it. He wanted to keep on coaching the team. He tried to keep his job, uh, but that's not the case. So they're going to be bringing a new head coach. They're going to be bringing a new staff into Seattle, and we still don't know who that is going to be. But Shane Waldron, their offensive coordinator for the last few years, is now off uh, to Chicago. And I do hear a lot of people in the last 24 hours or so say, well, you're bringing Shane Waldron. Shane Waldron had a lot of success with Geno Smith. If he was able to get something out of Geno Smith, when Geno Smith's career as a player in this league was pretty much over to have success in Seattle, imagine what he could do with Justin Fields. Um, I don't look at it that way. I think this is a good hire. Don't get me wrong. But I have already waved the white flag in this idea that Justin Fields is going to be the Bears quarterback next year. I think he should. Like, I was running the Bears. I would keep Justin Fields. I would make sure to trade down a few spots to two or three, get some future resources back, and you also do get Marvin Harrison Jr. and another big player with the other first-round pick that you get. And you roll into next season with uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., DJ Moore, and you have Justin Fields as your quarterback with an offensive coach that has had success before in the NFL. That's what I would do. But I look at this with Eberflus practically being on the hot seat. No one thought he was going to be back when the season started, and they thought this was going to be his final year in Chicago. But Eberflus did well down the stretch, kept his job. They're keeping Eberflus. They're keeping Ryan Poles. They got rid of the offensive coordinator, and now you bring in Shane Waldron. I think this is the Bears saying, Let's put our new young quarterback when we reset the time clock in the best uh, potential situation to succeed so we don't finally mess up a quarterback. And it's one of those new guys that we bring in that we actually develop them and mold them the right way. And I still don't know if Eberflus will be back next year. You got to see how this year does play out. And if you do enough with a rookie quarterback in year one, where you could call off the dogs and not have everyone 
right at the throat of Ever Palouse saying that he should lose his job. But whether or not I think the Bears should or should not bring back Justin Fields, and I think they should, I think the way that they have talked about this, and now they need an offensive coordinator, but bringing in Waldron, I just keep on looking at this, and I keep on saying, what does my gut tell me? Like, when you look at the Bears, do you see them with Caleb Williams, or do you see them with Justin Fields next year? And I think they're going to reset the time clock. They're going to draft Caleb Williams. They're going to trade Justin Fields. They'll get something back for Justin Fields. I don't know. I I don't know if they'll get a first-round pick for Justin Fields, but I think they could get a second. You know, maybe they maybe if it's not a second, they get it's a third that could turn into a second. Maybe it's a second that could turn into a one, depending on on certain uh, criteria that are in place. But you'll get something back for Justin Fields, and he's now been in the league for three years. So you get into that fifth year decision, uh, fifth year option making. So you still got this year, and then you got the year after that. But you know it in this league when you have a quarterback, you try to get ahead of the curve because these salaries just get so out of. Uh, you know, it's just so out of sync and it's so crazy with now these quarterbacks making $45, $50 million a year where if you have someone that you think could be your franchise quarterback, even if you don't know, you pay them and you do so early so you don't have to pay even more further down the road because these prices just keep on going up and up and up and they increase exponentially when it comes to paying these quarterbacks. So you really got to take advantage of the rookie window of that rookie contract because there were always, and this is why GMs get paid money and their salary cap guys too. Then you got to figure out how do you fit in the young quarterback that now is going to be a lucrative quarterback and then also find a way to pay enough guys so you could still form a football team that could go contend for a championship. So I like this hire of Shane Waldron. I would have loved to have seen the pairing of Shane Waldron with Justin Fields, with the Marvin Harrison Jr., and with also a DJ Moore, and it's a shame because Fields played well down the stretch in not an ideal situation, but I just I have a tough time when you could reset and when you still don't know if Fields is the guy or not, even though DJ Moore wants him back, I have a tough time actually believing that the Bears are going to go through with it and they're going to keep Justin Fields. So now you bring in an offensive coordinator that's popular, you're probably going to draft Caleb Williams with the first overall pick, I don't think Daniels or May are going to be able to do enough to usurp Williams. And now you start this new regime with Waldron as your OC, Williams having DJ Moore from the start, and we'll also see what the Bears do with that other first-round pick. Like, the Bears have a lot of resources. Can the Bears trade up? Can the Bears stay where they are with their second first-round pick? And they, they won't get Marvin Harrison Jr., but could you get Roma Dunze? You know, the wide receiver out of Washington or one of these other highly coveted receivers in the draft. That would kind of be my plan. I, I go, you know, once you understand and once you move off the, the the part that I don't think the Bears are going to keep fields, you draft Williams one and you go get another playmaker or you go get another offensive lineman. That's what the Bears should be doing if they are moving on from Justin Fields because the Bears have resources. They made a heck of a trade with the Panthers. They could trade back from one. They probably won't do so this time around, but you'll still get some resources back because you're going to be trading Justin Fields, and there's teams that think they could fix Justin Fields and make Justin Fields a good quarterback in this league, whether that's in Pittsburgh, which I don't know if that will be the destination. I'm just saying teams that could make sense. Um, Atlanta, 
You know, how, how about Seattle going out there and uh, and maybe trading for Justin Fields? There are spots, Minnesota, like there are landing spots for Justin Fields that could make a ton of sense. All right, that is the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. Fun Tuesday edition. Drew Tranquil is going to join us tomorrow. The Chiefs linebacker uh, is getting ready for the AFC title game. I'd like to thank Bill Ryder for joining us today. I'd like to thank Glover Quinn for joining us in the last segment. And each and every one of you for listening, participating, interacting with the show Monday through Friday right here on CBS Sports Radio. You can always give us a call, 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. And uh, shoot me a follow on Twitter and Instagram, at Zach Gelb, Z-A-C-H-G-E-L-B, where we pump out content seven days a week all the time. Uh, We are all over social media. And you can always stream the show, youtube.com slash CBS Sports Radio. Stu, Santa, we'll see you manana. The countdown to the big steak dinner tomorrow night. We're going to be eating like a bunch of pigs in about 24 hours and 30 minutes. Looking forward to it. We'll talk tomorrow, everybody, at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. This is the Zach Gelb Show. Have a great night. We out. Bye-bye. Peace. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.